Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. She uses tech-focused innovation to support attorneys in their work. She delivers next-generation technology, process, and business growth services. She supports her firm in collaborating with legal communities and experts worldwide. She was named one of the five most influential women in tech. She serves on the board of the Alameda County Bar Association's Pro Bono Division, and with a little bit of luck, she will be able to explain what all of this means. Maya Markovich, welcome. Thank you so much, Lewis. It's great to be here. I'm happy to have you. We don't know each other personally, but I've been very impressed by your work and your resume and the kind of things that you and your firm are doing. So I'd like to delve into that a little bit. Yeah, you bet. Looking forward to it. Where are you physically located these days? I live and work in Oakland. And how long have you been in here in Oakland? Well, we moved to Oakland back in 2007. And I've been working. I was lucky enough to score a job with offices right on Lake Merritt about six years ago. Where are you from originally? Palo Alto. What high school did you go to? I went to Castilea, which is a small girl's school, and then didn't go very far from home. Did you enjoy that experience? Yeah, it was great. It was great for me. It was just the right environment for somebody who wanted to just play sports and figure out who she was. What sports did you play? I played mostly water polo and swimming, although I also did soccer. Now, when you graduated, where did you go to college? I went to Stanford, which is why I really didn't go very far. And I was there for bachelor's and master's. So I spent an extra year getting my master's at Stanford after undergrad. Well, Stanford's a very good school, isn't it? (laughs) Thank you. What did you get your master's in? Uh, Psychology, social and organizational psychology. Did you practice in that field at all? No. Initially, I, I, so I, I got my, I got my bachelor's and master's in in those fields and that led me originally to the field of change management consulting in technology where I was really leveraging a lot of a lot of that how people make decisions how people how how hard it is for people to collaborate how to get over kind of the humps of people not wanting to change but needing to and all that good people stuff at some point you decided to go to- yes I did when did that occur? Well, you know, I was doing change management consulting and I was, you know, using a lot of my background and was, you know, a pretty high flying career. But I really, at that point, I realized that I wanted to have a broader social impact and law seemed like the right way to do that. My Actually, my plan was to go into environmental law. I wanted to be an attorney at Earth's Justice. Well, usually when people do environmental law, they end up at Chevron. Right. That's not what I wanted to do. So how long did you work between the time you got your master's at Stanford and the time you decided to go to law school? Uh, Let's see. It was probably about, that's a good question, four years. And where did you, did you go to law school? I went to Hastings and I was attending Hastings right in the middle of the first Silicon Valley tech boom. How did you like being at Hastings? You know, I thought it was, it was, I mean, I didn't love law school as much as some people did, but I mean, I was there for, you know, you know, I was trying to work through what I really wanted to do. And as it turned out, I changed my mind a few times. And so Hastings was a great place to kind of try out a lot of different 
avenues and see which one might fit. And so I loved it in that sense. One of the things that I've said a number of times on this podcast is that I went to Hastings and I really enjoyed the experience. So, you know, different people, yeah. you know, have, have different experiences, I mean, but mine was good. So I'm glad to hear yours I, was too. I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I loved learning, but the stress was something I had to get used to. Let's put it that way. Do you think that having worked in a professional field between the time you left college, and I'm, when I say college, I'm kind of including the master's program, and the time you started law school, that four-year interim, do you think that that allowed you to focus more clearly once you got to law school? Definitely. Definitely. I think it's uh, a really good thing uh, for people to try to do. And I, I, I saw folks that came straight from, from, you know, their university undergrad career into law school. And I think that they struggled a little bit more because they hadn't really given themselves the time to think about what they uh, really wanted to do. There were a few, of course, that were driven from, you know, the time they were in kindergarten to be lawyers of some certain kind. But, you know, real world experience for me, it, it made a lot of difference. Yeah, I always thought that the people who did the best as law students in my class at Hastings were women in their late 20s who had had some kind of professional work experience between the time they graduated from college and the time they went to law school. They were all focused. They all really knew what they were there for. That, that describes me to a T, so yes, indeed. What did your friends and family say when you told them that you wanted to go to law school? Well, my siblings, who are uh, both older than me and both attorneys, loved it. They thought it was just, you know, the normal course of events. And my parents, who are academics, thought it was totally shocking that three of their kids would be lawyers. So, But it worked out. When you got out of Hastings, um, what did you first do in terms of uh, work? Actually, before I decided to go to Hastings, I was kind of trying out the legal um, industry, and I was a paralegal at Wilson Sonsini down in Palo Alto. So that was even before, yeah. <laughs> so did you go to work for them when you got out? No, I didn't. I actually, my 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 first jobs after that, I mean, I worked at Leaf Cabrazer. I worked for a couple of consumer plaintiff side solo practitioners, and I did some doc review, of course, as well. <laughs> like everyone was doing at the time. You don't actually practice law right now, but you're involved in some very interesting work that supports attorneys in their practices. And I'm wondering if you could give us a brief overview of what it is that you and your firm do. And who is your firm? Yeah, sure. So I work for Denton's, well, Next Law Labs, which was founded by Denton's back in 2015. It was the first initiative of its kind. And uh, being a legal a tech-focused legal innovation catalyst. Um, what does that and, mean? What does that mean? <laughs> oh, it can be. It could be. There are no two days that are the same. That's for sure. I can be doing anything from you know vetting legal tech startups for potential investment in our um, portfolio. We have an investment arm, Next Law Ventures. I also work a lot with the global practice leaders, helping them define and prioritize and execute on their innovation strategies. I work a lot with the clients themselves who are having their own kind of challenges and pressures being put on them around, you know, changing the way that they run their legal departments. And so I can, you know, I, basically the common thread is, you know, bringing together psychology, change management, technology, marketing and law kind of in this in this unique role and it's a huge opportunity to be part of creating this meaningful and substantive change in the legal industry. So when you say that you support the clients in like 
tech-focused innovation and next-generation technology and process. I mean, what specifically does that mean? Well, when I'm when I'm talking about Denton's clients themselves, they're often I mean they're they're under increasing pressure to deliver substantively different in substantively different ways to other departments and to their boards, especially in in large multi-regional organizations. So that can be anything from figuring out how they can automate contract review to figuring out how they can collaborate with other areas uh, within the organization, how they can deliver value, how they can stop being as much of a cost center and actually become revenue generating in some situations. So the people that you deal with tend to be legal departments within other large corporations? Yeah, usually. I mean, who we're talking to are the CLOs, the chief legal officers, general counsel, their teams, legal operations teams, and that kind of thing. But that's sort of just the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is what we also call kind of our next law clients, which are people within Dentons who are trying to also tap into a lot of the same um, trends and push towards um, new and different ways of delivering services to their clients. So how did you transition into this particular type of work? I was often pushed towards the technology as one of the junior attorneys, and it became very clear to me in working with it that that this was the direction that the legal industry was going to have to go, whether or not they, they, they realized it at the time or not. And, and I think that the more I spent time doing that, I realized the, the benefit to clients with greater efficiency, lower risk, you know, all that kind of thing. Plus the benefit to attorneys, which I was seeing more and more were getting mired down in this drudgery and really not being able to f- be freed up in any other way other than using kind of tools it, to really kind of delve deeper into the strategic and creative part of being counsel. And, and also, you know, having deeper relationships with our clients as well. So kind of once I realized that that's what was going on and having come from a place where I was working in tech before I even went to law school, it seemed pretty, I couldn't really. And so, and at the same time, I kind of realized that I wanted to take my career in a, a different, I wanted to be involved in the law, but I wanted something kind of broader and more creative. And, you know, my 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 post-practice uh, career in legal tech took off just as I had a newborn and a two-year-old. And so all of those things really came together in just the right timing. What do you really like about the work that you do? You know, I think I... I like to call law the OS of human society. It touches everyone on earth in some way. I really love also being around very sharp people. And and lawyers are, are almost without fail, incredibly astute and intelligent. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's one of the things I really like about doing this podcast is I get to talk to lawyers. No, I'm serious about I'm very serious about that. I, I would, would you recommend law as a career to a young person just coming out of college? Uh, you know, it, that's an interesting question because I probably get different kinds of questions than some of your other guests. I get a lot of outreach from law students and young career professionals. They're asking how they can leverage their legal education in different ways like I have. And so I'd have to say there's a lot of uh, a lot more opportunity now than there used to be to contribute meaningfully to organizations or efforts outside of, you know, straight law practice. Things like legal operations, legal tech companies, just legal transformation stuff that I'm doing and consulting. So, and so if they're interested in anything with a basis of law along those lines, then I then I do recommend it. 
What advice would you give to a young person just starting out in a legal career? You know, I, I would say a couple of things. The first I would say is take every opportunity that you're offered, even if you don't think you're ready for it. And the other thing I would say is, you know, don't feel as though you've locked yourself in in any way. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. To, it's, it's hard to absorb that message. And I certainly didn't feel that I, I felt I had been locked in basically by virtue of my student loans, that I was in a situation I, I had to kind of make it work as a practicing attorney. And then things just started opening up a little bit more and more. So it's hard to say, it's hard to tell people, you know, don't feel locked in, but there are so many rewarding things about, about being part of the legal industry and part of the kind of the legal community that I think it's, you know, it's definitely worth it. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you had known before you had gotten started doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that one because mine is probably more tactical and less kind of philosophical. But I would say, you know, proactively cultivating your future network, starting in law school with students and professors and not kind of with a cold kind of someday I might need you kind of way, but actually in a way that like you're you're building your community and you never know what interesting things people will be going on to do. And it's great to keep in touch with them. Do you have any specific tactics or strategies for building your network? Well, I would say, you know, I, <laughs> I spend time on LinkedIn, really trying to, and, and Twitter, looking for <clears throat> and trying, trying to keep abreast of the interesting things that are going on. In my particular field, there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on pretty much all the time. And people doing a lot of very deep thinking about how to improve the legal industry and the practice of law in fundamental ways. And so I, you know, I have, you know, I, I try to not go too deep, but whenever I see someone that's talking about something interesting, I just go ahead and reach out to them because I find that that's the best way to, to kind of cultivate different perspectives. What do you think is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, the best advice I've ever received is that day-to-day happiness in your work is part of the compensation package and really to look beyond the numbers when evaluating if a position is right for you. You have a slightly different perspective on the legal system than most of the people who I talk to for this podcast. So I'm wondering, what, if anything, would you change about the way the legal system works from your perspective? Oh, that could be a whole separate podcast. I, you know, I mean, I, I spend my whole work, all my work hours thinking about things like this. I would make it, you know, first off, I would make it more users. I would make it obviously more easily understandable for those who are forced to navigate it on their own. And I think that there's just a lot that can be done there. I also think that it would be an imperative to have it be more open and less insular. Do you think that the legal system is fair? Well, I think that there are two systems of justice and there are and that depends very much on racial and socioeconomic status. Tell us a little bit about the work you do with your pro bono. Yeah, sure. So I, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, I am on the um, board of the Legal Access Alameda which is the pro bono arm of the Alameda County Bar Association. Although, unfortunately, it's been on hiatus for COVID, they're a wonderful organization that supports about 40 legal aid clinics a month in different in different kind of categories. Right now, of course, every, a lot of things are virtual and kind of doing some kind of building at the moment and waiting for the green light to start the clinics again. I also am on the Strategic Council for One Justice, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization that actually supports legal service provider nonprofits within the state of California. 
So um, in a lot of different kind of infrastructure and framework and leadership development ways. And then I do a lot of work mentoring, like I said, early career professionals or law students that are trying to kind of find their way into kind of a, a broader type of utilizing their utilizing their legal degrees in, in different ways. And and then it, that's official and unofficial. And then I also um, am a mentor and um, advisor for Lex Lab, which is the UC Hastings legal tech incubator. Do most of your mentees find you through the Lex Lab? Pro- I don't know how they find me. I think people are just getting really good at doing searches for <laughs> for this kind of thing. I mean, sure, sure. I mean, there are various programs that I'm, uh, you know, a mentor for. There's Legal Geek Women in Law Tech. There's the Law Tech, you know, Fellows Program at University of Arizona. There's also, you know organizations as far flung as Australia and Spain that I work with. And I think, honestly, I think that the community, for those that aren't within a program of any kind, I think people just, there, there aren't very many of us yet. The legal innovation community is still pretty small. So so it doesn't take long to find someone who's like doing a podcast or, or writing an article about thinking differently about, you know, where the profession needs to be. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I was really interested in talking to you, because I I do think the profession is going to be headed in some wildly different directions and it's going to be going there very, very fast. I think all of us have a certain obligation to pay attention. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Well, to that end, you mentioned that you're active on Twitter and you're active on LinkedIn. Are there any other social media platforms or any other places online where you think attorneys should really be and really have a presence and really have some, I don't know, an ear out for what's going on in these places? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I try to keep it very simple. So those are kind of my two main platforms. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, Maya. Tell me about your family life and how working in the legal industry and as an attorney has impacted that? Well, you know, I mean, like, like I said, I, I realized while I was practicing that I, you know, I really wanted to have an impact in the world of law, but the partner track was just, you know, not the path forward for me. So as my family, my husband and I built our family and our life together, just different priorities came into sharper focus. And like I said, my, you know, my post-practice career took off just as we had very young babies. My husband became the primary caregiver to our young sons while he was managing his own freelance career. You know, my path empowered him to be a fully engaged parent, something that was really critical for my career, our kids' development, his own career, and really what we both came to see as an important step towards greater consciousness um, of shifting roles across our culture. So I spend a lot more time with my family than I did when I was practicing law. How about recreational pursuits? What do you do to keep your body and your mind together when you're not involved in next generation legal matters? Well, you know, I, I spend, I mean, COVID before COVID grounded us, one of the main things that we do is, is travel as much as we possibly can. Well, my father's French. So when I was younger, when I was a child, we spent a few years living abroad, both as a child. And then I was studying and working abroad in France and Russia and Mexico. And now where we travel, I mean, all over the place, you know, I, I kind of took a took a nine-month trip by myself around the world to, to try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And that's how I decided to go to law school. <laughs> so we're taking our kids now everywhere we possibly can. We want them to understand that there are different perspectives and different ways of uh, leading your life and different challenges that happen. And also how, how many commonalities there are 
among you know, the human race, no matter where you are. Where'd you go on the nine month? Oh, let's see. Mostly, well, I spent three months in Australia, a month in New Zealand. Then I went over to Russia, where I had a lot of friends from my semester abroad. And I was there for a while. And then I went down to you know, Turkey and then just made my way west across across Europe. I took two fairly long trips. One was about nine months. One was about six months when I was in law school. And then shortly after I found, and let me just see if you agree with me on this. And I've said this on the podcast before too, but it's worth repeating. I, I've always felt that those travel experiences were the most educational things that I've ever done in my life. I mean, I've had a lot of formal education, but those travel experiences taught me more than anything else. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. It's the, the express train. Traveling by yourself, particularly, I think it's sort of an express train to self-actualization. And I think it's also very eye-opening in so many ways. I spent also you know, several months in Southeast Asia and Sri Lanka. And you know, I was visiting people here and there, but a lot of the time I was minute to minute figuring out what I was going to do. And and you get to know yourself very well. And you also, you know, again, it's a great way for for your priorities and and the way you want to live to come into sharper focus. What, what things keep you up at night? What keeps me up at night? You know, beyond the frustration of getting lawyers to embrace change, my family, of course, my elderly parents, my kids, just like everyone else, climate change where we're going to go in the next few years in this country. How do we turn things around for the better? Let's say you and your husband came into some real money, three, four billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? I mean, the thing I would love to do most with my life is give away money to worthy social impact efforts. So that's probably the first thing I would do. After I took a really nice long vacation, I would come back and I would set up a philanthropic organization to do just that. Would you take a trip into space? I don't think so. There's too many places on earth that I still want to see. Let's say you had an opportunity to make a really big statement. Like someone said, hey, we'll give you a full 60 seconds on the Super Bowl. What would you want to say to the world? You know, I'm a people person uh, at heart. And I think, and I'm also a social scientist at heart. And I and I think that so much of what I see that breaks my heart in the world is this is a complete lack of understanding of other people's perspectives. So if, if I could wave a magic wand and get people to listen to me in the megaphone at the Super Bowl ad, I would say, you know, that without that, we're not going to we're not going to have the future that we all want. Is there something that you think you could improve in terms of the legal system? Well, I think it's going to take more than just me, certainly. But I, you know, I have a lot of frustration around the way that the system is, is really set up to disincentivize efficiency, client centricity, or really long-term thinking about the business, and and also how the industry still seems largely oblivious to this. Maya, how about leaving us with a final thought? Sure. You know, I I definitely am doing things that are quite different day to day than than a lot of a lot of your other guests, and I have so much respect for people that are in the trenches. I am gratified, honestly, right now to see that conversations about changing the way and modernizing law are really happening all over the map, right? Across across the whole continuum, and so I'm really optimistic. I think that that there's a lot that 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 we're capable of and that that we're going to get there. Maya Markovich, thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And 
a really interesting perspective. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I'm a big fan. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. I think I would want to do, this is a classic kind of legal transformation answer, but you don't know the answers until you do the research. Not really. I should have given that one a bit more thought. (laughs) Don't include that part.